Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrating professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. Fall is considered one of the prime hiring seasons of the year, with many professionals coming back from summer vacation and looking to fill headcount to fill up their teams and use their budgets to close out the year. On the job seeker side of things, this is a great opportunity if you're a professional looking to make a career move to another company. Now there's a lot of opportunity out there for the highly qualified. And a lot of businesses in various sizes are looking for top talent to contribute to their company in order to meet key business objectives. Although there are many factors in deciding whether a company is right for you, one of the factors that you should consider is the size of a company because different companies of different sizes will operate differently. A smaller company will run more lean while a larger company may have a lot of processes involved in order for you to launch new initiatives. So to help me in diving in this topic further and help educate my listeners on what size company is right for them for the next career move, I have brought on Danny Howe, who has worked with companies of various sizes, from small to large. A little bit about Danny before we dive into the episode. She is a marketing communications leader who has worked in both the B2C and B2B space and is passionate about building brands, community, and real connections. She currently leads the communications and community building efforts at Lumen5, a SaaS company that created an easy-to-use video maker for content marketers to scale and repurpose their content into eye-catching videos. She believes more organizations should do marketing consciously by creating campaigns that build trust, authenticity, and diversity. In her free time, Danny loves staying active and giving back to the community by mentoring up-and-coming marketers and university graduates. Now let's get into my discussion with Danny on big companies versus small companies. What company is right for you for your next career move? Hey, Danny, welcome to the show. Hi, Max. Thank you so much for having me. So the main reason I brought you on to the show today is we are in Q4. For people who don't know that terminology, Q4 is the last three months of the year. And this is the time when hiring season is upon us. A lot of companies are looking to use up their budgets to hire and fill headcount. And I know a lot of people fall into two categories. They're looking to make a move to start off next year on the right path, or they're currently unemployed and they're looking to get back into the workforce. And as many of you are aware, there's tons of companies looking for top talent. And these companies vary in sizes from the small startup with a few people to large corporations that employ thousands of people around the world. So what I wanted to bring Danny on to discuss is what's the right company for you in regards to various sizes, because I know that there are pros and cons, whether you work at a small business to a large corporation. And Danny here has experience working in both types of environments. So I wanted her to come on to share her insights so you can make the best move for you in order to grow your career and advance it to the direction that you want to go. So Danny, why don't you walk us through a little bit about your experience working with both small and large companies? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Max. So right now, um, I work in marketing at a company called Lumen5, which is quite a small company. So we're just currently 40 people or so, but I've definitely worked in both the B2B and B2C space in both, uh, you know, smaller startups, similar to Lumen5 size, all the way up to, let's say, like a 300 and 400 person company. So I've kind of seen the range of the pros and cons between working in a startup versus working in a more established company. And I think there's a lot of great things you can learn from both ends. But depending on the type of person you are, there's definite path that you can take that's more suitable. So when I first started off my career, um, I thought that, you know, joining a larger company would help me, you know, elevate my career because it would look better on my resume. But uh, I was quickly proven wrong just because, you know, as a new grad, most likely you're probably going to be starting out in a junior position. And 
in a larger company, these junior positions, the scope of work that you're going to be able to be exposed to is quite limited. So that was one thing that I noticed right away. But the good thing about that, though, is that sometimes you do have really good mentors. So I would say one tip I would give to your listeners is when you are joining a company, regardless of the size, to take a look at their leadership team and look at, you know, who you'll be working under in terms of uh, your manager, because that really is a make or break, especially in the beginning of your career. So you fell into a trap in terms of as a recent grad, you were you're focused on the large company, right? So you never considered a smaller company to start off your career? Yeah, exactly. And I think part of it is also employer branding, right? Like when you're in, you know, university, you go to these networking events and normally the companies that have that big budget when it comes to employer branding, they're going to stick out to you. And, you know, they're going to have so many different temptations to attract new talent, such as, oh, hey, like, you know, we have this education budget if you want to go to conferences hey you're going to get a chance to work with all these exciting brands so i feel like you gotta also understand what's the fluff and what's the substance as well because it's really easy to you know go into in hiring fair and seeing all the big logos and big brands and thinking oh yeah like this company sounds cool so i'm going to give it a shot but um one of my best advice i could give you is definitely before you you know fall into this loop of employer branding to reach out to some actual people who are working at that company because then they can give you a reality of what's it actually like working in those companies. To add to that point, another tactic in terms of like reaching out to people is actually reaching out to people who left the company because they might be more honest of why they left, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, one good resource is Glassdoor. Normally, like when you join a company, you can search up like company name Glassdoor, and you'll be able to kind of find like more brutal, honest reviews of, you know, people's experiences in the companies and some reasons why they also left. So that's also another resource I'd recommend. So what was your first stint in your career in terms of work? You said you worked at a large company, right? So can you elaborate more of in terms of like what you did and when you realized that you weren't growing as fast as you would like? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm not going to name any companies for the sake of privacy, but I worked for a global e-commerce company. So at the time, we had around 300, 400 employees, and there's also other locations that we worked with as well. So within this company, first off, I started as a intern on the content side. So I was helping them figure out their editorial strategy. I was helping them write a lot of their pieces. And, you know, this was really into the B2C space. What I was hoping is that I would be able to affect more on the branding side and be able to kind of actually see, you know, being able to talk to the customers, for example, making sure I'm creating more long form content. But a lot of it was really copywriting, which, you know, is exciting to start out. But um, at the same time, like you're not exposed to as much as you would think. So in this scope of work, when they mentioned like, hey, you're going to be doing content, it was really limited to, you know, more shorter form content and copywriting rather than, you know, the content strategy that I was hoping to do. So you got more of the junior responsibilities and in a way it was very menial. You wanted more of the high level like strategy, the direction with the content copywriting, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I kind of get it, right? In a larger company, when you're, you know, hiring like a recent grad or like an intern, you're probably going to give them something small to start. And that's their way of like mitigating risk. So one thing I would give to, you know, recent grads or people starting off in their careers is that even though your job description may be very limited in the scope, definitely be more proactive as well. Because, you know, even though the job started off on more of like a basic note. What I eventually ended up doing was, you know, after I finished the projects under my wing, the ones that were assigned, I asked for more projects. So I actually gave ideas of my own, like, hey, you know, I've noticed there's some opportunities to talk about, you know, how we can involve like these particular customer reviews. Perhaps we can do like a customer story. I also did some research on trends within the industry. Hey, maybe we can write a piece on X and Y. And, you know, I started pitching some of my ideas of my own to kind of expand the scope of what I was doing because, you know, copywriting, it's really more basic in terms of work. But then when you're able to start pitching these more editorial ideas, that's when I got really excited about the work and the job. So how long did it take you to get to that level where you were starting to pitch ideas? Really within the first month, to be honest, because like when I started really understanding the scope of the work, I realized it's going to be limited to copywriting. So 
I really thought about how to budget like my day and my weeks. If I was able to, let's say, you know, spend the first two to three days of the week finishing off all of these to-dos and the assigned projects, then I'll have time to be able to kind of work on some projects that I'm able to pitch. And because like, you know, I got a little bit better at finishing the assigned projects on a quicker and more effective note, you know, my manager and the team started trusting me with more and more projects. So that's definitely something I would advise is to be more proactive and seeing how you can structure your days a lot better. So even though you were working at a larger company and they were giving you smaller projects to test you as you were a recent grad, it's all about being proactive in your career. So with that being said, you were starting to pitch ideas after the first month, and then you were starting to do more work and more things that, in your opinion, moved the needle. Yeah, exactly. And this really goes back to also the leadership piece too, right? Earlier, I mentioned like making sure you understand what your manager is like. So I was very lucky to be working with somebody who did actually promote this kind of culture within her team. Like, hey, if you have an idea, just speak up. Sure, we're like a larger company, but, you know, if it's an idea that fits within the scope of, you know, our team and our functions, then, yeah, we can definitely take a look at how we can fit it within the overall strategy. So if you have a good leader, then, you know, they would want to not be your blocker. They're going to want to give you a path so that you can really shape your own career rather than saying, no, like this is not within your job description. And normally you're going to be able to tell like during the interview what kind of leader they are. So I would also advise like besides answering the questions that the interviewer is asking you, also make sure to ask um, questions regarding like the company culture. Uh, How do you guys like determine, you know, ideas? How receptive are you guys to new ideas? These kind of questions really will allow you to gauge the culture of a company. And going to that topic, larger companies tend to not be as open to ideas because there's certain processes that you have to go through compared to a smaller company where they're open to ideas and innovation. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't say it like that solidly. I would just say like in a lot of larger companies, the reason why like uh, they have so many processes is because there's so many people, right? <laughs> because like one idea or one project might affect multiple teams, and the scope of work is a little bit more specific. Uh, When you want to actually step outside of that line, it's going to be a little bit harder. I'll give you a specific example. So let's say you wanted to do a project that was outside of your scope of work. Then you're going to probably have to propose like a budget. You might have to also identify like who are the people I need to bring into this project. For some companies that I've worked with, it's like a there's a formal proposal process. So you might want to you know, do a project outline before you actually book a meeting with your manager or your director supervisor and, you know, run it by them, right? So sometimes people will actually provide you with a template, which I guess makes it easier for you, but also could be a little bit more frustrating if you're someone more proactive. But these are kind of more red tape that you're going to have to deal with at a larger company. During your tenure at this company, were you only a copywriter or did you try to pivot to other roles at the company? Yeah, I definitely was interested in content marketing in general. So I was fine with starting off as a copywriter, but I was hoping I would be able to expand my role later on. And especially as a new grad, right? I was hoping to get a permanent role. But also another cons with the large company is that when it comes to internships, normally they would only have a budget for the internship specifically. So they may not actually have a budget to bring on a full-time person. So even though you might have really great experience, you might actually have, you know, great performance within the team. Unfortunately, because their budgets are more set in stone, they may not have the resources to be able to bring you on because they kind of plan their hiring way in advance. And also because these larger companies, they understand they have great employer branding, they can always just bring in intern by intern. Right. And I'm not saying anything to trash larger companies. It's kind of their strategy of getting like, you know, new eyes within their projects and getting lower salaried workers, so to speak, to be able to kind of work on some small things that they're trying to get off their plate. So just being very frank with you, I think it's best to be very careful with larger companies, especially for internship programs, because a lot of times like they may not even have the budget to bring you on later on. That's a good point. A lot of people think that. Once you get an internship at a large company, they should be able to give you a full-time employment agreement if you do well. But the thing you just said surprised me that that's actually not the case. Yeah, exactly. So um, a lot of people will use those as a jumping ground. Like there's no problem with that. Like maybe you do a three to six month internship at a larger company and then using that as part of your portfolio, right? Like that's always a good strategy. And that's kind of what I did as well. 
So how long did you work at this larger company? Yeah, so I worked there for around two quarters. So basically like around six months. At first, it was just a one month internship, but then they wanted to extend it for me. So then they extended it even further. And sometimes you can kind of negotiate these things too. If you feel like it is a team you want to learn from a lot more, then you can always bring that up. Like, hey, am I able to extend my internship? Because sometimes they're able to work within that, but maybe they're not ready yet to bring you on full-time or maybe they don't have a budget for like a full-time employee. So that's kind of like one way around it. So you started off as a month internship, correct? And they extended it for a few months? Yeah, exactly. So was there an opportunity for you to stay full-time or you didn't want it either and you wanted to explore another company of like another size, like going to a smaller business? Yeah, so they only had the budget to basically like bring on a more senior person. So they realized that through this internship, what they're hoping for is actually like finding somebody to manage more of the content itself. So they didn't actually end up hiring any of the interns full time. So it was me and this other person. So this is an example of like them kind of testing out the waters with an internship, but then realizing they were looking for a whole other role, which was no problem because, you know, we're still on great terms like me and my manager at that company and that company. And that was a good jumping ground for me to explore like other avenues within my career. So that was like no hard feelings. So what company was your next move and what size was it? Yeah. So the next move was an agency. So with agencies, it's also really interesting, especially if you're going like the more marketing route is because like agencies, you're going to be able to expose yourself with a lot of different types of companies because technically you're service based, right? And that's what I was thinking too, because I know I wanted to be in the realm of marketing and I basically seeked out an agency to work in because I wanted to see what kind of companies I would like to work in. So this agency was quite small. I would say they're definitely more of like a smaller team but with like a bigger company mentality so there were a lot of processes they had like very specific budgets and they had very specific brand guidelines on where they wanted to go and the processes that you had to follow as someone who worked at the company so it it was a really interesting case study because you know a lot of people think that hey like smaller teams you're going to get more autonomy you're going to get a lot more flexibility but that's not really the case as well I think like it really depends on the culture of the company so this company for example this agency I think it had around like 20 or 30 people with a lot of contracts So it was really across North America with the people that I work with. And there were a lot of like autonomy within my role. But then when I was working with other people from other areas and geographies, there was a little bit more like red tape. So I had to, you know, get things approved by, for example, the copy team, get some things from the design team and coordinate that way. So just be wary of what the culture is like in a company. And also agencies are like a whole other monster. (laughs) So it's not really the size of the company that dictates the culture. It's really the leadership team, right? Leadership team and also just like what they're currently offering right now. Because depending on, you know, the product that you're offering and your customers, that also helps dictate the culture of what you're hoping to create. For example, like most of my career has been in B2B SaaS and A lot of B2B SaaS companies, like they're venture-backed, right? Um, And so what they really care about is someone who can come in knowing that, hey, we are venture-backed, so there's no guarantee that we're going to be able to quote-unquote make it. So we want people who also have that daredevil mentality that can be a little bit more scrappy. And this is something that I've seen constantly with a lot of like venture-backed SaaS companies. You talked about how you were working from industry in your previous company to agency. So what you said agency is a whole other monster. And I actually worked in agency when I started my career. So can you tell us in brief, what are the differences in culture and work environment between an agency and industries? Yeah, for sure. So with agencies, basically, um, they're service-based companies. So you're going to be working with a lot of clients and you're also going to be working with the internal team who serves these clients. So in my case, I was working with the internal team that served these clients. I didn't work with the clients specifically. So it's quite interesting because um, with agencies also, there will be periods of time where it's very busy because, you know, maybe they brought in like five or six big contracts and the whole team is basically like hands-on. 
And there are certain times also where the agency is less busy and they're more focused on like business development, for example, like, hey, trying to get new contracts, or maybe they're focusing on their own brand, which is like, hey, like, because we're not busy right now, let's focus on elevating where where we are as thought leaders within this industry. And you're do, applying for awards, for example, doing speaking opportunities. So that's kind of like the scope of work that I helped them with, which is like the PR side and also the social media side. Got it. So you started off as a copywriter for, you said a 300 person company, then you moved to an agency. And then what was your next move? Was it th- at that point where you started to do B2B SaaS? Yeah. So I actually went solo for a little bit. So after, you know, I explored that agency, I thought, oh, maybe I can also be like a one person agency and freelance for a little bit. So I started booking clients within the small business space. So I worked with clients in beauty, healthcare, some restaurants, and some e-commerce businesses. So I presented myself as this, you know, full stack content marketer where I can help you with your PR, help you with your content and copywriting. And then uh, slowly I built that team as well. So I hired on a few contractors to help me. I hired on a designer. So this was like basically a whole career pivot because I kind of wanted to see what it would be like if I worked for myself. And within kind of that career pivot, I wanted to see whether I could also book some SaaS clients because technology has always been, you know, really interesting to me, especially like the way that people are working. It's, it's been changing like every single year. So I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if I can make an impact within, you know, the tech space, specifically B2B SaaS. So I decided to, you know, approach some companies locally and seeing if they're interested in, you know, my services. And so I connected with this particular SaaS company. And at the time, they just finished their Series A raise and they were around uh, 40, 50 employees. And we had a conversation, me and the head of marketing at the time. And he's like, hey, like, you know, Seems like you have a great vision for how you can help us, but unfortunately, we're not hiring any contractors, but we are hiring a full-time role if you're interested. So this was basically the exact opposite of what happened earlier in my career. Like they didn't want a contractor slash, you know, part-time person. They actually wanted somebody to join full, full on and, you know, just go full steam ahead. So I thought about it for a little bit and I'm like, hey, but, you know, I've, I've got all these clients that I'm still working with. Um, I don't think I'm able to join the team. And he told me like, no worries. How about this? Like we can do a test run. So you can work with us full time, but for a few months and see if you like it. And at the same time, we can test you out as well, whether, you know, we want to bring you on full time. So we did that. Like we did a one month contract, but with me just working on their projects on a full time basis. And then I really liked the team and the culture. So I decided to make the jump and I joined the team full time uh, after that one month. And during that time, it was a little bit hard for me because I was balancing, you know, my own clients, but also with this particular company. And eventually it became a period where it was kind of a little bit uh, of a conflict of interest. So I had to finish off their the side projects. So basically my freelancing projects and commit fully to this company. And then I stayed within this company. Um, I can name I can name this one Procurify for over four years. So I've seen them grow from around 50 people when I joined, all the way up to around 180 when I left. With that being said, you, so you watched the company grow. Did the culture change over time as they got bigger or they were trying to maintain that small culture that they initially had? Yeah, like this is, you know, one of the difficulties, right? As you grow. So when I first joined the company, there weren't a lot of processes basically when you wanted to try something. It was more of like when we got together as a team where we're like, hey, what are the problems that we're trying to solve? So we had uh, very regular meetings, either within just the marketing team or within the entire company on, hey, what are the priorities? Like, what problems are we facing? And basically, people could just come up with like any crazy idea on how to tackle the problem. And all you needed it to do was to get buy-in. And to get buy-in, there was no formal process. You could just like, you know, like at the time, it was not COVID. So you were able to just walk over to someone's desk and be like, hey, I have this idea. Can I run it by you? And um, eventually, you know, you're going to be able to form like this little squad of people that are down to make your idea like a success. And, you know, you can launch that. And once you launch that, you test it. And if it doesn't work out, you improve it. So that was the culture in the beginning. And also with a lot of tech startups, especially, you know, in the SaaS space, a lot of it was based on friendships as well. So it wasn't just like 
you saw people at work as coworkers. We also spent a lot of time together, like after work, just going for like happy hours, drinks. Every Friday, we would, you know, have beer and play some games like Smash Bros and stuff like that. It was was a lot of fun. And I remember, you know, at that time, I was able to get to know everybody in the company pretty intimately. But when we hit our Series B, so this was, I believe, twenty nineteen. That's when it got like into hyper growth mode. So we started hiring tons of people. We started really growing our teams, and this is where it got a little bit harder for me to actually like get to know people like one on one. But um, I feel like we stayed the same in terms of culture. Like there was still not too many processes yet. But uh, once we started hiring like you know more VP level leaders, that's when the processes came in because you know these departments started being built out. A lot more, and because we've got new investors on board, there was more expectations to actually like be more structured as a company. So when they started to be more structured, did you kind of got disappointed in terms of like all these processes that you were not used to? Yeah, to be honest, because I'm that kind of personality where I like to kind of just start things and get things done. And sometimes, like if I see too many processes, I see that as a blocker. And you know, I inherently logically get why there are the processes, right? Like when you scale, you're gonna have to, you know, put these things in so that you're making sure you're prioritizing the right things because there's only limited amounts of resources, right? So I totally get it. But for me, it was just not really for me anymore because I'm used to being able to start off with a blank slate and just being like, okay, well, what will work? And running little tests and little experiments to see like what sticks. And then for the ones that stick, find out a way to scale that. So when did you start to realize that the culture has changed, the process has changed? I think I need to go somewhere else. Yeah. So this was probably around four years in. So, you know, I've seen the Series B. I joined shortly after Series A. And then um, I've seen some changes to the leadership team and working with a lot of leaders in this company. Like one thing I really liked about the leadership team is that you can tell they're not there to be blockers. They're there to actually remove the blockers. So that's really one amazing sign of being a good leader is that are they getting in your way or are they getting out of your way? So in the earlier days, definitely it was more of like getting out of the way. But as we started scaling, I wouldn't say like the leaders we brought on were bad per se, but they were more people who wanted you to ask yourself more questions before launching something. For example, like, hey, do you have a budget for this? What do you think is the expected outcome? What do you think are some of the things that you need to have in place before you launch this? Who are the people that you need to get involved, right? So there's going to be like more processes before you actually start something. And for people like me, I just think of it as like a blocker because then you know it's not as easy for me to start something. I'm going to have to go through many more hoops before I do something and especially larger projects. So to give an analogy, like when you're in a startup environment uh, where like a smaller based uh, company with like a flexible culture, you're going to be able to kind of steer the ship right away. Like if you wanted to make a turn, right? Because there's less people on the ship, but as more and more people get on the ship, every turn that you make, it's going to be more effort. So that was when I was like, hmm, I kind of miss being in the more scrappier early stage environment. And that's when I decided to make a change. Which brings us to your current role, right? At Lumen5? Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, I decided to join Lumen5 actually when one of my colleagues at Procurify uh, reached out to me and he was like, hey, like we're hiring for this new role. I would love to get your thoughts on it because basically like we're hoping to hire someone like you. And at the time I was kind of rethinking my role at Procurify. So I was like, huh, you know what? Let's hop on a call and, you know, talk this out. And I realized that's such a good opportunity. I'm able to kind of create this role for myself and, you know, hop on this. So, you know, we had a few other conversations. I took a little bit of a sabbatical before I decided to join, but then eventually uh, I joined on the team. And how's this work environment? Because it's a smaller group, right? Yeah, it's a smaller group. So we have around 40-something people so far. And I'm like basically the second recruiter on the team. So there, there were a lot of changes uh, that happened before I joined because, you know, with these smaller companies, sometimes there's going to be a lot of pivots. And that's kind of the reality of the situation is as you grow, you're going to start to realize, hey, like maybe the customers we are serving are not actually the right ones. Or perhaps you're going to start seeing more opportunities like, hey, we're starting noticing that we're attracting these types of customers rather than these types of customers. So where we are standing right now as a company is that we're realizing 
we're serving more of the B2B space. So a lot of the enterprise-based companies are coming into our pipeline rather than before where we served a lot of consumers. So like solo entrepreneurs who are like trying to make videos and whatnot. But now like there's other brands that are trying to make videos. So we had to really pivot our strategy to be more B2B focused. And that's really where they wanted to look for a role like mine as well because I worked in the B2B space. And um before I joined, like within especially the marketing roles, the people who were on the team, I guess they were more on the consumer side. So they also realized that there was a shift in the strategy and um, a lot of them did actually leave the company. So it was a transitionary period and I joined like during the transition. And what's the culture like now after the transition has been completed? Yeah. So one thing that I think uh, Lumen5 and Procure5 have in common is like learning on the fly mentality. And this is something that I personally love about like tech startups and, you know, companies that have this kind of culture is that they understand that you don't really know all the answers. Like, hey, even probably our CEO doesn't know all the answers or any of our executive team. And that's okay because we're learning together. So that's something that I think I really like about startups. And another thing also is that if you're if you have a great idea, just try it, right? Um, don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to ask for resources. And also um, the budget is something that's very flexible. So in comparison to larger companies, larger companies normally plan way ahead. So they plan for the entire annual budget and then uh, they have sub budgets for each department or each team. But with startups, it's not really like that. You know, there's many ways of budgeting. I don't want to get into this because it, it gets a little technical, but there's like zero-based budgeting. There's like project-based budgeting. There's also like, you know, some people don't use any budgets at all. They just say, okay, well, give me the pitch. And if it works, we're going to give you the budget for it. It seems like the common theme is that a smaller company, there's less processes. As long as you get buy-in, you have a team to help you launch your idea or you can test your idea. But then as... The company gets larger, more processes are in place. You have to like build case studies. So it, it gets to be a bit strenuous, if that's the right word, in terms of like, it takes longer for things to actually happen as a company grows. Definitely. But I also want to not like trash talk large companies because there's a lot of pros as well. So for example, like with pros, normally there's more of a established leaders and processes in these companies. So if you're someone who really likes to be given direction, especially if you're starting off in your career, it's a really great choice. And also with larger companies, there's set work hours. Like normally it's like a nine to five or maybe like eight to four. So you know exactly when you're going to be off work, you know when to show up. But with like startups and smaller companies, there's going to be times where you're going to have to really like hustle, right? You're going to have to put in the hours maybe beyond your role, especially if it's like a huge release or maybe like you're raising series B or something like that. So that's kind of like a con to smaller companies. And you're also going to be feeling like you want to give more to the company because there's that emotional tie, right? And it's a good and bad thing. Like some people, they're driven by that emotional tie. Some people, it actually becomes a little toxic because you realize you can't really separate yourself from uh, work and your personal life. So that's kind of like a con of like the startup-y small companies. But with large companies, like there's more predictability in like work hours, more predictability also in career progression. Like that's one thing I realized is um, with larger companies, they do have very uh, well built out people slash HR teams where sometimes they even bring in like career consultants or, you know, mentors that are able to give you more of a guidance on here's like the next path. Like if you want to get promoted, this is what you need to do. Whereas with smaller companies, it kind of like happens when it happens. Of course, there's other companies that like smaller companies that have these resources as well. But uh, just based on my personal experience, like it's more of um, you basically prove, you know, prove your worth. And when it's time, you're going to get compensated and, you know, promoted for that. But with large companies, normally there's like, for example, like annual reviews or maybe semi-annual reviews. So you know exactly like, okay, here is my chance uh, to take my career to the next level. And here's all the criteria that I need to hit. So speaking of promotions, like you said, large companies have a structured process and when you would get promoted while a smaller company startup, it kind of happens depending on the work and project that you've achieved. Yeah, exactly. So with that being said, the, the myth, if it is a myth, larger companies tend to provide better compensation, salary benefits compared to a smaller company. What's your thoughts on that? Is that true or not as much as people may perceive? 
I think it will depend on the industry that you're in and the role that you're looking for, right? I know a lot of my friends who are in like huge companies like Fortune 100s and they're being paid a lot less than, you know, for example, what I was making at my previous roles, right? And because of, uh, I think, perception, one. And then secondly, also, it's when you're doing like these kind of roles in larger companies, a lot of times you're basically a cog in the wheel. Like we kind of mentioned this earlier on, where the scope of what you're working on is just quite small. So a lot of times, like if you want to wear many hats, you will also be fairly compensated for it. You just got to find the right companies for it. Alternatively, let's say you're like in a more like engineering role or whatnot. Yeah, definitely. In larger companies, you'll probably get paid way more. Or if let's say you're in like a product management role, larger companies will probably be able to have the budget to be able to start you off with a higher salary. How about job security? Larger companies that have been around the block for a while that you know they're not going to go anywhere next year compared to a startup where if the idea doesn't hit or they run out of funding, there's that uncertainty. There's also the merger acquisition portion of it when a small company gets acquired. There might be a chance of layoffs because again, you have, for example, a marketing department in the big company and then another marketing department in the smaller company. So there might be some overlap, so they might have to cut staff. So what's your thoughts on like, the job security part of the equation when it comes to deciding between a large and a small company? Yeah, so this one, I would say definitely larger companies will probably give you more job security overall. But also with smaller companies, you got to look at whether they're venture-backed or if they're bootstrapped. So with uh, venture-backed companies, there's always, you know, a risk. Hey, what if we don't make the next round? Hey, like what if, you know, we, we end up losing to our competitors and we end up having to file for bankruptcy, we're having to fold the company, right? Like these are all definite like worries that someone could face. But if you are also someone who likes that kind of environment, you know, more of a risk-taking environment, then maybe this is something that will attract you, right? Like, hey, this company will either make it or break it, right? With larger companies, a lot of times they're like hosting. So they're really making sure they're keeping top of mind awareness. They're making sure they're leaders in the industry. So the goals of larger companies are going to be a little bit more different than something like a smaller company. Yeah, that makes sense. And to summarize here, when you want to juggle multiple hats, you want to do a lot of good work, you want to learn a lot of new things. If you have the right company culture in a small company, that would be more of your skill set like in terms of alliance with your values. While a larger company is very process heavy, however, like there is more balance in terms of work flexibility. You know, it's when it's nine to five, it's probably going to be nine to five compared to a smaller company where you might have to work extra hours. So a larger company does have more balances in place and you do know what you're getting compared to a smaller company where the hours might not be as standard as you think. You're going to be wearing a lot of hats, which may be stressful. But so it really depends on where you want to go in your career uh, for at least the short term. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say also with larger companies too, there has been a study or on LinkedIn, a lot of people talking about like, you know, working in larger companies and feeling like a cog in a wheel or like managing for the sake of managing. So I guess this is not really just for large companies, but also you have these things in smaller companies too. But I would say mostly in large companies because like there is this concept of middle management. So from my experience, middle management, a lot of times, like these are the people that are going to be directly managing you. And in large companies, like these are going to be the people that you're reporting up to. In large companies, they might have like really you know, established like VP level or direct level, right? But when you're first starting off in your career, you're probably working with, let's say, like like a manager. And a lot of times this is their first time managing a team. So no faults to them. But because they're still learning how to manage the team, sometimes you're not going to get that level of support that you were promised when you were originally interviewing. Like, hey, we have all these, you know, great uh, directors, VPs that you're going to be able to learn from. So the person that you're actually learning from may not be these people, even though, hey, you might be able to like grab a meeting with them once in a while, but just be very wary of who you're actually going to be ending up reporting to. And speaking of which, smaller companies, you get more executive exposure compared to large companies. So if you work at, at a huge corporate company, a Fortune 100, the chances of you actually having lunch or meeting with the CEO 
is very unlikely compared to a smaller company where you might even work with the founder on a regular basis. Oh yeah, absolutely. So if that's something that you really care about, like being able to learn from people who have already had like a established career, then, you know, maybe you want to look at something like a middle-sized company or like a smaller company, right? Especially if you're someone who who is also looking to eventually become an entrepreneur. If you want to learn from other like CEOs and founders and whatnot, definitely take a look at the smaller companies because a lot of times founders, they want to help you. They want to help you become a successful founder yourself. So they're happy to chat with you over coffee or even like booking one-on-one meetings where, you know, you can exchange ideas. And I think like these environments are very conducive of that. Whereas with larger companies, a lot of times you're going to have to go through like executive assistants, maybe also like they probably don't even know your name, right? Like that's the reality of the thing because the company is so big. So just be wary. If that's something that you find important, then maybe a smaller company would be more suitable for that. In terms of work friendships, do you find it easier to make friends with your coworkers at smaller companies compared to large? Or it doesn't really matter as long as you put your best foot forward? Yeah, I mean, with COVID, like it, it's pretty hard to make friends in general. But before COVID, I would say it's quite easy to make friends in both companies. With larger companies, you're probably going to be able to work with like your immediate team, right? And other teams that you collaborate with. And also like sometimes friendships blossom when you're like at the lunchroom table or in this case, like I guess virtually when you're on Slack or something like that, right? With the smaller companies, you're almost forced to understand people like more on an intimate basis because the team is so small. So it depends on like whether you're somebody who wants to make like relationships that extend beyond like work. And I think you're able to do it at both ends. One good thing about large companies is that because they're so large, there's going to be more like sub social groups that you're going to feel welcome in, right? Like a lot of times we'll have committees like a diversity and inclusion committee, for example, or like a lot of options to do, you know, like work related activities outside of work, right? They probably will have more budgets for these, especially if it's an established company that cares about, you know, the work life balance. And with smaller companies, it's probably less planned. You're probably going to have to take more proactivity. Let's say like, hey, I like working out or like being active. Maybe I'll have to, you know, gather people manually to be able to do a hike this weekend. And maybe the company won't even pay for it. So these are some things to consider as well. Does the interview process differ between a large and small company? Like, for example, a small company might be less formal compared to a large company that might have a set of questions that they need you to answer and potentially a case study or assignment. Yeah, absolutely. So one little hack that I found out is that with larger companies, a lot of times when you're submitting your resume, what they're using is actually like a automated software. So what they're looking for initially are keywords. So when you're applying for a larger company, make sure you really read the job description and make sure you're considering what keywords they're using to describe the person that they're looking for. And you're using those exact same keywords within your resume because that's really how they scan for potential candidates. The first pass is never like a human being. It's normally a machine. And once you get past the machine, you know, that's when you can let your personality shine a little bit and knowing like your strength and your value props as like a professional. So where are you special that other people may not be able to copy or like what are your strengths and weaknesses and knowing that very well. So I would say like the biggest difference is the initial stage where larger companies are more automated. So focusing on like keywords and whatnot, whereas smaller companies, you may be able to talk to a human being right away. So with the two instances of the SaaS companies that I've worked with, they've both been like initial phone interviews. They just want to know, what are you like as a person? You know, like, are you a culture fit? And culture fit is huge in smaller companies because, you know, if you get one bad apple, right, within a team of like 20 or 40, that's really going to affect the company. Whereas like in a larger company, if there's like a bad apple, it may never affect you because maybe you don't work with them or perhaps the company will not find out that they're actually like a bad addition until way later on. To summarize from a career progression perspective, does it really matter what company you're at? It's more about being proactive. Like for example, in your first role, you were doing the junior tasks and you wanted more of a challenge, but you were proactive in it. So at a larger company, you might be a cog in the wheel, but if you're proactive with your ideas and really push for them, you can get those bigger projects. While a smaller company, there might not be as many obstacles to get those larger projects, but so it makes it easier for you to get them. But it doesn't mean that small or large, you won't get the specific big impact projects you want. 
as long as you're proactive, regardless of where you're in career and what business, what type of business or size of business that you're working at, your career will blossom depending on how proactive and how bad you want to grow your career. It, would that be a proper assumption? Yeah, that's a pretty good summary, Max. And honestly, like I think it's all about self-awareness too, right? Like knowing where you want to go in your career, right? Do you see yourself, you know, um, being able to fully grow within one company for many years? Or are you somebody who wants to kind of explore a little bit, right? Because, you know, there's no right way to pick your life path. And you might see people around you, you know, working for all these fancy companies for many years and like getting promoted. Like, don't feel bad about that, right? Like the biggest enemy to yourself is not other people, but really like you're trying to beat yourself, right? You're trying to be a better person today than you were yesterday. So there's definitely that. So being aware of uh, where you want to be in the future and being thankful for also the opportunities that are popping up. Because sometimes if you overthink it, right, you might actually lose out on opportunities. So maybe just starting off in your career, like, having these one-on-one conversations with people, like you mentioned, who've left the company, who are currently in the company and making a more informed decision. And another thing I would like to point out as well is knowing your boundaries as well. So when you're in a company and you're already like trying your best in your work, you're doing your best work, you're being very proactive, but you're getting all these no's and you're getting all these blockers. That's a red flag. Like that's a sign that, hey, like this company may not have that culture of being able to promote people who want to be more proactive. This company may actually not be someone who you want to work with, right? So these are things to watch out for. And definitely don't sell yourself short. If you don't feel like you're being appreciated for your talents or the projects that you want to take on, there's definitely other places too. Don't think that you have to be pigeonholed. Absolutely. And one of the main reasons people leave is lack of progression. So if you want to, if you have a good idea and you want help to launch it, but you have all these blockers, you're going to feel discouraged to the point where like, what's the point in trying? I'll just do my job and then go home. Right. So the, the lack of effort will start happening. And I think we all want to do good work and make an impact. If your current work environment doesn't have that type of culture where they want you to contribute in a valuable way, like you said, there are other options that you can explore. You just have to go and find them. Yes, exactly. Summarized it really well. Thanks, Danny. So again, I really appreciate you coming on my podcast to share your insights in regards to the pros and cons of a small company and the pros and cons of large company, as well as walking us through your journey while you worked with various companies of various sizes from agency to industry to tech. So the last question I want to ask you as part of my podcast is that I ask everybody that comes on is that my podcast is geared towards helping professionals overcome challenges in order to excel in their career. So what was one challenge or roadblock that you've had in your career so far? What did you do to overcome it to get to where you are today? Yeah, um, think about that for a second here. I'm going to give a non-traditional answer. So I would say being too caught up in the hustle mentality. So I think as professionals, we really do care about doing our best job, making sure that we're making an impact wherever we're working, right? But I think right now, especially we're in this age where so much success is publicized and so much like, you know, goal chasing is uh, being publicized. And there's a lot of nuances behind that because, you know, when you're in your career, you're always comparing yourself to other people. And I struggle with this for a little bit, which is, you know, one, comparing myself to others. And secondly, always feeling like I'm not there yet, but just getting a little more like philosophical with you like what is there right like where is exactly there because the fact that we're here now that's already accomplishment in itself so just making sure I'm able to throw away this toxic hustle mentality and focusing a lot on appreciation for like all the things that I've been through and where I am now in my career has really helped me immensely in my mental health and also my professional relationships as well. Because, you know, sometimes you feel like you're not good enough, right? And you think, hey, am I am I the only one thinking this? But I will tell you right now that you're not. And that's a really, really um, amazing thing is when you are able to let go of, hey, I'm going to focus on my work and the process rather than the outcomes itself. Yeah, I think a lot of young professionals make that mistake where they focus so much on the result and not the process. For example, let's take a vacation as an example, right? So you you like the process of a vacation. You like planning it. You like 
flying, if, if you're going, for example, to Europe, you like exploring different things. The end result of a vacation is you have to go home, right? And, and no one really wants to go home on a vacation. So <laughs> yeah. in a way, if you think about it that way, like it's about the process. Again, too many young professionals want to get director in like two years. And they're not really into the process. And then when they realize that the director role is not really what they want, then their, their mental health isn't that good because they were expecting something different than what they got, right? Yeah, exactly. Because the thing is, like, you know, we set a lot of high expectations on ourselves, right? And that's a really, really good thing. But um, if we're too stuck on these outcomes and expectations, and if something falls short, we think we're a failure, but really we're not, right? It's, it's just an outcome. And to be honest, like, even the word failure, like you're not really failing. It's just a data point. It's just a data point towards, you know, where you will eventually go. And I think everyone has, you know, very specific talents and a life path for them, right? And you just needed to make sure you're being in the moment and discovering that for yourself and not comparing it to other people. I always say there's no such thing as failures, just learning lessons. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So how can people connect with you to learn more about you and what you do and if they need any help with navigating their career? Yeah, so I'm always welcome to any, you know, LinkedIn messages or emails. So email, you can email me at danny at lumen5.com. And then you can also connect with me on LinkedIn as well. I'm quite active there. Sometimes I write about, you know, my career journey, some lessons in content marketing and marketing, if you're interested in that. And also just like this toxic hustle mentality. I write a lot about that. So yeah, feel free to connect and reach out and I'll let you chat. Thanks again, Danny. Really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Max, for having me. Thank you to Danny for sharing her career experience and the pros and cons of working at a small company and working at a large company. Although there will be factors you can't control based on how big or how small the company is, the main message that Danny wants to convey is that when it comes to finding the right opportunity, as long as you're proactive in your career and trying to make an impact as best as possible, there will be opportunities for you in both small and large companies. Large companies, again, they might have more processes in place where you have to build a case study and really convince executives to buy into your idea compared to a smaller company where there's less stages or less phases that you have to go through to implement your idea. As long as you're proactive in pushing your idea, you will get that success and that impact that you're looking for. In addition, it doesn't matter if it's a small or large company, the executive team influences the culture of that work environment. So as I've said to many professionals, don't choose to work for a company choose to work for that team because that team is who you'll be in the trenches with day in and day out. So even if you like the company, you like the brand, if you aren't going to get along with the team, it's not going to work out. So again, as part of your evaluation of whether this opportunity at this company is right for you, make sure that you vet the people you're working with and that you will vibe with this team because that will be a good indicator whether you will enjoy working at that company for the next phase of your career. If you wanna hear my personal experiences working at companies of various sizes, make sure to check out ChanCap this upcoming Friday on your podcast platform of choice. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Again, this is Chan with A Plan the Podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.